Hello, and welcome to Shifting Perspectives, a student-run podcast. We select a topic and then shift perspectives and look at it in a different way. I'm Zayden, and today we're going to be interviewing David Fielding, who played Zordon in Power Rangers. Let's jump into it. Okay, so I'm Andy. I'm going to be the host for today's interview. And for your first question... Uh, You have done a lot of acting, so can you tell us a little bit about what acting is like? Wow, that is a, that's a question. What is acting like? Um, Well, I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, every actor is going to give you a different answer for that question because uh, the craft of acting is, is of course, being able to take on the the personality of a character in play or a, or a TV show or a movie, and to try to portray them as truthfully as possible. So, for me, the act of acting is um, at its core really trying to be as honest as I can in the portrayal of whatever is required from the part, whether it's comedic, dramatic, tragic, uh, whatever. Um, And that takes a lot of um, study. It takes a lot of empathy, because if you cannot feel empathy for the character that you're trying to portray or the other characters in the in the in whatever medium you're you're performing in, you're probably going to miss some subtle parts of whatever it is that you're trying to do. Um, so for me, acting is sort of, it's, it's at, at, at its base is really sort of like slipping into a coat and then slipping it off when you, when you leave. It's, um, I'm, I'm not a method actor. I don't, I don't live the part, so yeah, you know, if I'm if I'm playing a, a dirty mountain man, I don't need to go run up in the hills and run around the dirt and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I really truly believe it is something that you can slip on and slip off, and um, it's it's a very sort of interesting psychological exercise of being able to try to become another person for a short period of time. Does that make a lot of sense? That makes a lot of sense. Our next question for you is, when you were little, did you like voice acting or did you always like voice acting? When I was little, I tormented my parents by acting out my favorite comic books for them. I would would make them sit in chairs while I acted out different parts from, I don't know, uh, Captain America or... Uh, the Avengers, whatever I was reading at the time, I would do that. So, I mean, I was always sort of prone to performing as as a kid. Um, I didn't actually get into voice work until I was in college. Uh, the first bit of voice work that I did was for a environmental film strip uh, for the Aquarina Springs Aquifer down in uh, Southwest Texas State University, uh, where I played a, a like a little water drop, and I did some sort of like environmental educational speeches about different things about the aquifer. But <clears throat> the interesting thing about um, voice acting is that 
it kind of requires you to work twice as hard at the acting that you're doing because it's just your voice that people are going to be hearing. They're not going to be able to see you up on stage or on the screen, and they're not going to be receiving the visual cues that might hint at them what the character might be feeling or what might you know what the character might be thinking. So you have to portray all of that strictly through your voice alone, which can be very difficult. But um, if you've ever watched clips of actors in a voice booth, you can see them doing like really broad movements and and really sort of leaning into uh, the dialogue because they're trying to get that visual that visual part into the voice. So that that's uh, another skill <laughs> it takes time to learn. So yeah. Yeah, that definitely seems a very involved thing, and it kind of seems complicated, even if it sounds so simple. So that's interesting. Thank you. Um, how do you get into character when you're acting or voice acting? Oh, for me, it's always been kind of easy. Um, but I, I always, uh, even though I classify myself as an introvert, if I'm, if I'm by myself, uh, and I'm out in public or on a bus or traveling on a plane or something like that. I keep to myself. I don't talk to a lot of people. Um, but that's mainly because uh, I have an overly de- <laughs> developed sense of courtesy. I don't want to bother anybody else. So I, I stay by myself and I stay very quiet. But uh, when it comes to acting, I've always been very sort of extroverted. And um, I was always... Uh, Growing up, I was always reading a lot and I was always uh, speaking to myself out loud some of the things that I was reading. So I would um, and I would see certain actors or TV performers on television um, and I would try to mimic what their voices were. So I was always sort of um, outgoing and practicing as a kid. And because for me... Acting is not only a skill and a craft, it's also playtime. It's it's a chance to sort of step out of reality for a while, and that can be a lot of fun. And um, any chance I get to put on a funny hat and do a funny accent or to become uh, a character in a Shakespeare play, to me, that's fun. And it's... It's like getting to run around on the playground and just explore it and find out what works and what doesn't. So um, other other actors that I've known um, find it very difficult. They, um, they study the lines really hard. They uh, work really hard at making sure that the emphasis that they place on certain words is always the same every time. So it can be very difficult for them. But for me, I always found it to be very simple. I mean, it was just the the act of you know putting on some shoes or or putting on a hat, and I was right there in in it. And I don't know if that's just an innate ability. Like some people can run the hundred yard dash; they're extremely good athletes. And I felt that I had that sort of innate ability to be able to do that whenever it was asked of me. Not not that I had to work at it. So hope that makes sense. That 100% makes sense, and I 100% agree on that. 
Our next question for you is, what is your favorite character you've ever acted on besides Zordon in Power Rangers? What is my favorite character? Um, I got a chance to play the character of Antonio Salieri in the play Amadeus. And um, that was a very challenging uh, part because in the play, Salieri is on stage from the moment the play starts until the moment the play ends. And um, our director at the time was very ambitious and was prone to putting on very epic productions. So we combined the play with snippets of each of the operas that happen in the in the play with the musical department. So not only were we doing the play, we were also incorporating moments from opera. So I think that's probably one of my most favorite experiences, uh, aside from uh, doing some of the other things that I've done. That sounds really good. Yeah. I can completely agree. Yeah. Really cool. You got to play. Uh, so speaking of roles, how did you get the role of Zordon in the first place? So how did I get the role of Zordon? Is that the question? Uh, yes. Just trying to confirm that. That's the question. Okay. <clears throat> so this is a very good lesson for folks who are in school about um, maintaining good relationships with your friends. Um, one of the things that um, I was never taught going to school for acting, um, either in undergraduate school or in graduate school, was all of the stuff that happens after you graduate. Um, we were taught a lot about how to get the part, how to play the part. Uh, we were taught a lot about stagecraft and what it, you know, how to uh, dissect a script and so forth and so on. But one of the things that we weren't taught um, was networking, uh, about um, maintaining relationships with people in the industry that even though you may not see them for years at a time, that whenever you do see one another, you're very cordial or you can have things you can talk about. So um, a lot of the friends that I had in my undergrad moved out to California about three years ahead of me. And after I had finished my master's degree at the University of Pittsburgh and moved out to California, I hooked back up with those friends. Um, so I had a nice little network of people that I knew out there. And one of those friends happened to be working at Saban Entertainment at the time, doing um, behind-the-camera work for some of the uh, straight-to-video movies that they were doing at the time. And she was working as a second assistant director on this kids' television pilot called Dino Rangers. And she called me up one day. I had only been in Los Angeles for two months. I had just gotten there. And she said, hey, I'm working on this kids' pilot. Um and we're having an audition for this role. I think you'd be great for it. Do you want to come down and audition? And I said, yeah, of course. That's that's why I came out here. And I went down there thinking that it was going to be just a general cattle call. And a cattle call is you go into an audition and there are like 15,000 other guys. You'll go into a room. You'll say some lines onto a camera. And then you'll go home and you'll never hear anything again because that's how the industry works. <laughs> but <laughs> when I got down to the building where they were having the audition that day, uh, I found out it was just me and another guy. And they told us, we plan on casting this tonight. 
are you available to film next week? And I thought, oh, wow, this is really unusual. This is not how I was informed how these things run. So um, I felt that it was a very sort of special situation. And luckily, I had had the the training and the um, the experience to be prepared for that. Had I gone into it just blind, just walked off on the street, you know, I probably would have worked out differently. But because I was prepared and because I understood the gravity of what it was, um, I was I was ready for it. And luckily, I was the guy that they chose. So that's how I got the part. That is awesome. Our next question for you go is, what is it like? What was it like being Zordon in the Power Rangers? Um, it was very bittersweet. Um, and I use that term because um, they only filmed my character one time. And then they recycled that footage over and over throughout the life of the character. So even though the character was on the show for like five or six seasons, um, I stopped doing the voice for the character after the 31st episode. I, I had left L.A. I was unhappy living out there. But they continued to use my face throughout the life of the character and never had to compensate me for it because of the way the contracts were working back then. Because it was a non-union show, um, they were paying below uh, union rate for all of the actors on the show. When we shot the pilot um, and got very little compensation for it, I think I made less than $1,000 on the show. And they made a billion dollars the first year. So it was super awesome. Um, but um, it's paid dividends much later in my life. So I was very happy to be a part of it. It was really cool to be a part of something that captured the pop culture's zeitgeist and um it's still very popular today. So it's something that um, it's, it's so weird and surreal to me sometimes to think that something I did one day 30 years ago still echoes today. So it's very interesting. That is definitely very interesting. And I don't expect that to be the filming process for Zordon. Like you barely did anything, but they kind of reused the footage. It's very, very interesting. Uh, kind of building off of that, though, uh, what was the filming process like for the Power Rangers show? I know you kind of answered that, but I don't know to add. Well, I mean, the process for my character was I showed up uh, in the late eve- late afternoon, early evening uh, at some warehouse in North Hollywood. Uh, they shaved all my hair off. They glued my ears back and darkened my eyebrows and slathered my chest with green latex paint all the way up to my chin so that when I went out onto the set, which was basically just a chair in front of a big green screen and had all of these hot lights pointed at me, and I sat in that chair for like four, four and a half hours doing the lines over and over and then doing different takes of of facial expressions and back and forth. And, uh, but the shooting process for the rest of the show is something that I never really got to experience, something that I wanted to experience, but I never got a chance to, but those guys would spend sometimes 16 hours a day, six days a week, uh, shooting those episodes. They would, uh, 
do all of the park scenes on one day. They would do all of the uh, command center scenes on one day, all of the scenes in the juice bar or in the halls of the school in one day. And they would, they were shooting like four or five episodes a week. And they, again, they were being <laughs> worked really hard and being paid non-union wages. So it was a lot of work for those guys for um, the amount of time that they, that they were on the show. So Cool. Our next question for you is, do you have a favorite co-star? If so, who? Do I have a favorite co-star? Hmm. Um, I don't think I've actually been in enough uh, things to to say that I have a favorite co-star. Uh, I didn't get to experience a lot of on-camera work while I was in Los Angeles. Um, and a lot of the stage plays and performances that I did in, in college and um, outside of college, those were always like fairly decent sized ensemble casts. casts. So um, I had uh, a great number of uh, people that I worked with, including Scott. So uh, I, don't, I don't think I can actually pick one single person as like a favorite co-star. Sorry. <laughs> That's still a wonderful answer. Thank you. Uh, do you have a favorite Power Ranger series that you've played in? Um, my go-to answer for that is because uh, I get asked that kind of question a lot at conventions from other Power Ranger fans. Um, my my standard answer is that I'll always be a, a huge fan of Mighty Morphin, uh, the original series, simply because that's where everything started. That's where everything began. Um, I got to call the, the characters Power Rangers for the first time. I got to give them the power coins and that kind of thing. But over the years, uh, getting to know other members of other casts, I mean, I, I've watched uh, quite a few episodes from different seasons and Time Force is a, is a great season of Power Rangers, uh, SPD, RPM, um, uh, the interesting thing about the what I've experienced about the Power Rangers franchise is that uh, almost without exception, every person that I meet that was involved in being a Power Ranger um, turns out to be like a really awesome human being. They've got big hearts. They love uh, being a part of the show. They love... Uh, being able to share their stories with fans and stuff. And uh, it's just really great to be a part of that kind of community that spans, gosh, <laughs> 30 years of entertainment. It's very, it's very, very cool. That is awesome. Our next question for you goes is, I meant, how often do you get recognized? Um, I get recognized quite a bit at conventions. Outside of conventions, nobody knows who I am. <laughs> so whenever I uh, go to the grocery store or go to a restaurant, uh, it's very easy for me to sort of like just blend in. I mean, I'm just a regular human being. Um, <laughs> there's there's nothing. Um, there, have, there have been like one or two instances where somebody has recognized me on the street, but it's in association with the convention like, 
I was working, I was walking down the street in New York City and somebody yelled out my name. I'm like, who the heck in New York City knows who I am? <laughs> uh, but they happened to be going to a convention. So that's the only time that I ever get like recognized. Yeah, I also wonder how celebrities get recognized at restaurants and stores all the time. And it's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, we heard that also written some books too so we wanted to know what your process for writing is my process for writing is torture <laughs> um i love writing I've, I've been writing kind of like my whole life um i used to again going back to comic books i i i read so much as a kid not just comic books but but real books and and i read i was always I had a book with me everywhere I went, and um, I was always trying to <laughs> mimic what I read. I would I would write down plots for for comics in on pieces of paper, and or I would write um, ideas for stories and stuff. But I didn't get serious about writing until about 2011, when I decided, well, if I'm going to try to do this, let's let's do this. Let's finish a story first. So I started out um, trying to write short stories, um, generally about anything that I found interesting. And the things that I found interesting were always sort of in the in the realm of what I call speculative fiction. I I'm not a <laughs> I'm not a great American novelist. I don't write uh, what I call dramatic novels. I don't write uh, that kind of book. What I what I write is um, science fiction or fantasy or um, anything that orbits those topics. That that's where I'm I'm writing right now. I'm currently involved in uh, the supernatural and the paranormal. That's that's where my interest is as far as subject matter <laughs> and um i'm fascinated by the the topic of horror and um why we are attracted to that kind of thing what what about horror that that attracts us and i know that as a any good writer as stephen king will tell you in his books if you if you have any inclination to write i, I suggest picking up stephen king's on writing and, and reading it because it's really good advice um I unfortunately don't write like Stephen King. I don't set aside a specific three or four hour block to just sit in front of the keyboard and type, 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 type. I, <laughs> I have uh, too much ADHD to sit in front of a computer and, and I've had instances where I have written consistently for like half an hour, 45 minutes at a time, simply because uh, it just, I'm in the zone when I'm writing that. But mainly my process for writing is spending a lot of time thinking and thinking and thinking and looking at the page and pounding out 15, 20 words at a time and then making the mistake of going back and editing that when I really should be just moving forward with the story, writing it, writing the story all the way to the end and then going back to edit it. But I find myself editing as I write and 
any any really good writer will tell you that's that's a bad thing to do. So I'm not going to <laughs> tell you you it's okay to edit while you write, but that's how I work. And so when I say that writing is torture, um, that's sort of a different take on what Ernest Hemingway said. He said writing is very easy. All you have to do is bleed off a page, and um, you really do. It's very, it's very close to acting in a way because you really have to get under the skin of the characters that you're writing about. You have to empathize with them. You have to understand what their motivations are, what their desires are, and try to get again portray them as honestly as possible in order to I don't I don't care what what um, what genre of writing you're doing it whether it's science fiction fantasy the great American novel or whatever you have to do it as honestly as possible because if you don't people are going to see right through it and they're going to go oh this is not very good so um, my process is to <laughs> beat myself up continually until I finish that that's my process that's honestly awesome that you um can write and stuff like that. I think that's really cool. All right, it's fascinating to me that we can we can paint pictures with words, that we can tell stories to one another, that we can all identify with and understand, and you know uh, try to achieve a better understanding of who we are. I think that's fascinating. Too. I think that's fascinating too. All right, our next question for you is. Where can your books be picked up? Where are your books sell, sold? Sold. Um, you can find um, my Lincoln Bright series on Amazon.com, or you can find them at Barnes and Noble. BarnesandNoble.com. I'll send Scott a couple of uh, links that he can pass on to you guys, where you can find them. Sweet, that's good. Uh, our final question for you, and this is to circle back to a previous answer that you gave us. Uh, how did you work with Scott Rutledge? <laughs> we, my memory is we we did a play with David White. We did, um, oh God, was it The Duchess of Malfi? And then I want to say that we did something else together. But working with, working with Scott was awesome. I mean, it was just fun. We... We had a good rapport. We, 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 I just remember having a lot of fun at rehearsals. There were a lot of laughter. There was a lot of, uh, because we were young and in college, we were always goofing off and doing stuff. But um, that's my memory is that we, uh, we were working on Duchess of Malfi together. That's awesome. That sounds like a really fun way to meet somebody. But that yeah, I mean, Duchess, the, the show that we did, Duchess of Malfi, was really. We had a lot of fun with it because the director, David White, he wanted us to be very goth and very emo. So we were all dressed in like black leather and, and pale makeup with, you know, black circles around our eyes and uh, yeah, a lot of really dark music. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to do in the show. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> As a goth myself, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. But that was our final question for you. Thank you so much for this interview. We got some really good answers from you. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure to meet everybody. I hope you uh, uh, had a great time. Now it's time to shift perspectives.
Do any of you want to voice act or act in anything? I have always liked the idea of being able to act. Every time you see the behind the scenes of any people who are acting, it always looks so much fun. And like even voice actors, they have different behind the scenes where they talk with each other and they get to know each other and stuff like that. Um, one of my the things that I saw recently was one of the an audio drama I watch called Adventures in Odyssey. They all get in this big recording room and they talk with each other. And sometimes lines will get messed up or just different things will happen and they'll be laughing. And it just always seems like so much fun. I totally agree with that, Dan. I've always seen like the behind the scenes stuff and it looks really fun. It looks really cool. And it's something that I, could, I think I'd be interested in. Like, not only that, but, you know, to be the different roles and be the different people, I think that that would be. Yeah, and being in Podcast Club, we also do get to voice act, and I think it's been it's been a good learning experience to learn how acting can sometimes go. I know sometimes actors probably have more rehearsal time than we do um, to rehearse lines, but it's, yeah, it's always, it's cool to think about, like, how can your voice be different to express different kinds of things and different characters? And what does that say about that character? I've never been interested in like acting or voice acting, but I have always been interested in creating the stories for the actors to perform or creating the lines for the voice actors to say, which we also get to do in Podcast Club. David talked about his work, his play you have. What is something you do that might that you might consider play that can also be work? Honestly, sending all of the emails for club and sending emails like coordinating with coordinating with Bethan. All of this, like, aspecting of making calendars and checking things off, it's just so satisfying. Honestly, I wait for this, like, part of the day every day. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, um, something me and Sarah do is in the debate club with the president, Sarah. Uh, it's work, don't get me wrong, but it's really fun, especially when we actually do the debates and stuff. We see everybody's different perspectives. I see shifting perspectives, you know. But, uh, uh, it's like, it's fun. And I also, I like the code things. And again, that's warm, but like when you, it's like when I get it, it's like I'm in my zone and it's really fun. And I, I consider that play. Like I do it as free time. Yeah. With, um, with, with doing all the different emails and stuff, I definitely think, um, Mr. R is very good at giving us the respect as we are doing a real job. Because we are posting something to the world, just like, in a way, kind of like how YouTubers post different things, kind of like how um, different companies, like uh, movie companies, they have to post their workplaces. And I really feel like Mr. R gives us the respect that this is a real job. And it's always, it can always be fun to do that kind of stuff, but it's, it's also cool when you can see that yeah, my work is, is play, and that's something Mr. Rogers talked a lot about, how a kid's play can turn into their job. And so we should encourage play because play is an amazing thing. It can turn into someone doing something amazing. Yeah, I really like what Bethan said about, um, you know, with work and everything, a lot of people don't like their jobs. And, I mean, there's some jobs like... I don't know. Yeah, working behind a desk. Not everybody likes that. Um, but whenever you're able to find the stuff that you like to do and turn it into something that you can profit from, from 
uh, it gives like a whole new meaning to what used to be something like a hobby or like an aspiration. And I think that's really cool. Like with writing, uh, like we write our stories and everything. Like that could be a job. Like you could be an author or you could write scripts for movies or plays or shows and stuff like that. And that like, yeah, it's really cool. Also, Bowie, to bring up the creating stories because it is a whole lot of fun. It is like playing being able to play stories. I love be creating stories, whether on my own or with others. We have a phenomenal writing group, which is a whole lot of fun. They just come up with stories with them. But it is still also work because sometimes it is hard whenever we run into writer's block. Sometimes it can be hard to compromise. I mean, not really with this group, but like there are other groups out there where you might be like, no, we should do this. No, we should do that. And also it can be hard whenever we have a deadline sometimes, but it's still a lot of fun to be able to create these stories. In a way, it's kind of like we play with other people when we're writing stories. <laughs> Do you think the podcast club has helped you learn about networking skills? Like, I've learned a lot about the etiquette, you know? Like, not worrying as much about what people think of your ideas, but getting things out there if they're really that important, and learning who to talk to, how to talk. I think it's definitely helped learn um, pretty much the same thing, that it's okay to put your ideas out there, it's okay to share with others. I also feel like the club, uh, this club here especially, also helps us actually network because like it helped me meet other people who like writing and it helps all of us in this club meet other people who enjoy podcasting and you never know in the future maybe maybe some of us will write like a movie someday or maybe maybe this whole group will when they create like a huge podcast that's like everywhere you never know that's what second state said um you know when the people you network you find the right people you see people with the same interests and i think that's how you have more fun in doing what you're doing and you get more done that way also. Yeah, I really um, I really got to connect with Casey and Zayden over a lot of things. And um, and and I'm I'm excited to be able to just learn more about different people um, and how do people communicate what to some person is because people are all different. And so to some person, one word like um, saying thank you to someone. Saying thank you can be immensely important to one person, and to another person it can just be, oh, you're just trying to be nice. It's just an extra word. And it and it doesn't mean that the person isn't meaning thank you. They just, oh, well, you know that I I want to say thank you here. And, and different things like that. And learning how if you want to communicate efficiently with different types of people, sometimes you have to learn their communication style and sometimes learn some of like keywords and you want to learn a person's keywords and like there are certain words that can help you connect better with a person or are there certain topics that maybe one person doesn't like but you have other friends that do and which friends to talk to what topics about and what topics can you share with anyone and what topics are important to share with anyone you know i also think that the that the club also helped make me better networking because because i wanted to go into like story writing and producing stuff like that I, all the research i've been doing is like networking is very important you make a connection you never know what will happen later but i'm i've never been the type of person i i normally keep to myself but this podcast helped me like now, now i am connected with the writers now i am connected with everybody in this class so we could some in the future and i'm at least hoping that this club could help me maybe do more networking in the future so i could meet someone down the road in college or something that we could network there and then we'll know each other later on and stuff like that.
The process that David went through shooting the episodes for Zorda was an interesting experience. Can any of you see yourselves going through a process like that? There would have to be some I really like. I mean, he did for something he really liked, so... I think if I really, if I really, really want to do it, then yeah. I think people have habits doing that. When you really want to do something, you press on and you do whatever you can until you get that thing done. I don't think I ever could. I... I've seen, I've watched a bunch of behind the scenes where people have to also go through like this painful makeup process and like it's the worst thing ever. And I, I'm just, I think to myself every time I see that, I thought the same thing when hearing David talk about it, I'm like, yeah, I could never do that. Another reason why I'll stick to being behind the camera. What did you think of goth emo, Mr. R? I mean, as somebody who is goth, I think it was amazing to hear that both Mr. R and David Fielding were these gothic email email people and i just i love hearing that it's just it's just it's so funny to hear about stuff like that from people that you don't expect it from like you don't expect zordon to have been uh email listening to my chemical romance <laughs> you know stuff like that i just think it's funny i also thought it was like really, really funny to see that <laughs> to be honest i'm really funny did any of you watch power rangers growing up in season so I'm not sure if growing up, but a little while ago we were actually watching through um, the, the the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and we started I think episode one, and we've gotten pretty far. Everything changes a lot in a bunch of different times. There'd just be different characters sometimes, and they'd change, and we'd be like, "Oh, okay, guess that person's gone." But I think I think. From, from what I can remember, one of my favorite episodes is when they introduced the Green Power Ranger. Um, his character is is one of my favorite characters because you can definitely tell. I think he was one of one of them that actually knew martial arts. And there's like different clips at the end of him talking about different martial arts things, and you could tell that he was really telling you what like he knew that stuff not just kind of well listen let's read a recording i don't know how well maybe maybe a good actor could convince you that they knew that kind of stuff um but definitely like i i looked into a lot of zordon stuff which with um since we were interviewing uh, david fielding and it was there was a lot like there's a lot of stuff on zordon a lot of stuff that i didn't know there's just a bunch of lore and different things like that and so and it's just it's cool that yeah, there's so much lore. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I remember watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers when I was younger because my dad loved it and really wanted to like pass that love on to me and my brother. And the first episode of that show is ingrained into my brain because of how like even as a kid, I was both amazed at it and also confused. And um it was just how like shows were when that was uh being shot and like edited and everything but it was just it, it was a really good show nonetheless and i remember watching it and like asking like why like uh like the people on like the other planets were like moving around like that it was just like it's just awesome and 90s is definitely not based off of the show just to make that clear. I actually, um, to call a little bit of a ramble, but I actually remember watching the show at Nickelodeon in like 2012, like when I was like very little and didn't understand like basically what anything was. I was just like watching, I was just like, man, this show sucks. But like, 
looking back at it now, it actually seems like a really good show. Like, I should have, like, genuinely, like, sat there and watched it, to be honest. I have got to agree with the singer. I watched it. It was a long time ago. I was in a hotel, and I turned the TV on, and it was on. And I was like, what in the world is happening? Like, and I watched I watched the episode, and I was lost, but I was like, wow, this is so cool. And I, I haven't watched it since, but I do think that it's cool how, like, I think, I think that I should have been there and watched it too. I think that it's something that it, it grows on you. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it was that it was, if I remember correctly, it was originally from another, in like another language. So, I mean, for like the original show at least. So, I think because it was from like another culture, I think that carried into it, which for people in like the United States who are not very familiar with that culture is probably a little bit different. Um, and also Power Rangers was a very different idea in general. Um, and I think it's funny how like everybody's first reaction to it is like, what, what is this? And then it turns out to be like super cool. <laughs> I know of, I know something my mom told me was that they used, um, the costumes that they used for the super villains were actually from like a failed horror franchise or something like that. And um, and so she she told me that a lot. So I found that pretty interesting fact. And and when watching it, I was like I was looking at like the different things that they were doing and seeing that they <laughs> used so what they would do is dress up people in costumes to make them look like they were bigger than the trees. They just like make the trees and stuff around them smaller but it was still just regular sized people in costumes and so i would always think that was neat because i could tell like even though i knew what they were doing it also just seemed very realistic and i was like very impressed on all the different things they could do and actually make it look like they were really bigger than all the trees and stuff so i i want to say i grew up watching it but i remember i did watch i think the first season or two when i was younger and i I didn't think it was a bad show, but it wasn't like intriguing enough to keep me because I think I got through the first season. I think I started second season and I just kind of just like fell out of it. Like I, I just didn't go back to it. I started watching other shows and I completely forgot about it. Although I did see the trailer for the 2017 movie and I've been kind of interested in that. But so, yeah. You know, a random fun fact is, is that I have like a preview of the Power Rangers in a random Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles DVD. Now, it's time to shift perspectives. Go, go, Veggie Rangers! It's a bustling night in Bumbly Grove. Oh no! Evil Sauerkraut is trying to cover the entire city in salt and turn everyone sour, just like himself. Hey guys, what's wrong? It's our own mentor, Cabbage Man. Well, I guess I should say Sauerkraut Man now. He's at it again. Oh no! Can I do anything to help? You put your suit on. We've got to go, Veg Ranchers. This isn't happening. This isn't real. This isn't happening. I do not want to go out there, guys. I'd hate to become all shriveled up. Okay, that sounds fine. Twee, nothing has never sounded less fine than this situation that we are in right now. But maybe it will be fine. We used to know each other, 
So maybe we could talk him out of it, or maybe he'll turn us sour. One of the two. Like, sounds so sweet. Sweet? How is that? Hmm. Wait, sweet. That's what we're going to need to defeat his sourness. We just have to hope our powers are sweet enough. Well, let's get to work. Veggie Ranchers, roll out! The Veggie Ranchers morphed into their super suits and went out into the city to find Sauerkraut. Sauerkraut! Stop the Sour Crusade! Never, Jason. You and your Veggie Ranchers can't stop me. I taught you everything you know, so I know your every move. Well, not every move. Everyone, get behind me! Three, do it! Please be careful. That should have worked. Why didn't it work? I'm too sour now. Nothing can stop me from making everything sour. We need something even sweeter to stop sauerkraut. What could possibly be sweeter? I don't know. Like, our superpowers are, like, pretty sweet. Oh, maybe we could use kindness. That's really sweet. Kindness? Wait. Kindness! You're right! Kindness? <laughs> Kindness isn't strong enough to stop my sourness. Veggie Ranchers, group hug! Oh, good grief. Don't you remember how group went last time? Well, yes. But this time it will work and hopefully be less messy. Ooh! I'll put up a border of friendship so we are safe while we hug it out. Wait, say what now? Now, Mr. Sauerkraut, why are you so sour today? I ate some sour candy that boosted my powers. My only choice was to take it out on the town and make everyone else like me. Why should I have powers to make people like me? Wait, sour candy can make you stronger? I wonder if there is a food like that for each of us. Maybe we can, like, help you be, like, a little sweeter. Once you are sour, nothing can be sweet enough to save it. No matter how sour anything gets, there's always something sweet enough help. Even you, Sauerkraut. You taught us that, remember? Maybe we can help you build a dojo so you can teach others like you did us. Showing others kindness can help us be less sour. Could it be a sour dojo? You see what you've done with your already sour powers? I'm going to have nightmares for weeks! No, being sour isn't very good for a person's personality. How about a sweet dojo? It's yummy for food, though. Are you sure we can't just lock him away? I know he used to be our mentor, but I don't see any of the original kind cabbage man left in him. Maybe it's just hidden under the many layers of sour he has built up. We have to help him one step at a time. I think a good start is to help him learn to show kindness to others. I think this is the one time I believe Daisy's faith in other veggies. You believe I can be sweet again? Anyone can always be sweet again, with the right help and enough effort. Thank you, veg Veggie Rangers. I forgot that I could be sweet even with the sour things I did. Today, we learned that sometimes you need a reminder that no matter what you do or who you are, you can always be better with the right help. Hey, narrator, that was my line! You know, unless you really stack up on sour candy. Sour candy doesn't really make you sour. Jason and Water, who are you talking to? The narrator- Uh, never mind. We all know what today's lesson was anyway. Yep.
But could you explain it to me one more time? Alright. Thanks for tuning in to Shifting Perspectives. This episode, we had Andy as our host and Nasir as our co-host. Our discussion facilitator was Nasir. Our story writers were Casey, Andy, Zayden, and Beth Ann. Our voice actors were Andy as Twee and Water, Nasir as Jason, Beth Ann as Amy and Daisy, Jackson as Sauerkraut, and C as the narrator. Our intro was done by Zayden. And I'm C, hoping you'll join us next time for more Shifting Perspectives.